You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Tax Smart REI Podcast. Uh, here, I've got Kalen Deaver with me. So Tom is actually subbing out for this episode. Um, and we are going to be talking about the five things limited partners should know before you invest into a syndication or a fund, uh, real estate syndication or fund. And of course, this is not investment advice. These are just some things that we've learned along the way as we've watched our clients invest in syndications and funds. And also, as we've helped the sponsors and the operators of the syndications and funds over time. And we're kind of bringing this topic to you today or at this point of the year because we actually have a course that we produced, that Kaylin actually produced. And we'll tell you a little bit about that at the end of this episode, but you can find that in our membership group for those of you that are members of TaxMart Investors. And that's www.taxmartinvestors.com slash limited partners. But without further ado, Kaylin, welcome back to the show. You've been on a few times. Have you been on as a co-host before or is this your first time? I've been on as co-host with Tom a couple of times. Okay. Okay. been on a co-host with Tom probably when I was subbing out. So that's good. I like that you're very flexible like that. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Remind listeners who you are and what you do at the firm. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Stoked to be here with you today. I'm Kaylin, a CPA, and I lead our partnership group here at the firm. So I lead our private equity team, as we call it working with all of our large partnerships, syndications, and funds. Um, so that word is pretty interchangeable. They all mean approximately the same thing. Um, we spend the majority of our days working with general partners, helping them structure their partnerships. And then, of course, that tax compliance part, we see thousands and thousands of K-1s go out every single year. So we are the syndication and fund experts here at the firm, and we've got a team that specializes in that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And we always like get those like weird questions about just different approaches to waterfalls and special allocations. And Kaylin and her team do a really good job handling all of that. So if you have any of those questions, feel free to hit us up. But tell us, what are these five things that limited partners should know? And run through what the five are, and then we'll dive into each one of them separately. Sure, sure. So we're in a really unique situation because we work with general partners day in and day out. And that means we know everything that they're thinking and how they're structuring those partnerships. And we see the effects it has on the limited partners. So that is exactly why we're here bringing this information to you today is because we see the implications it has on you as a passive investor. So those five things that we frequently get questions on are what is depreciation and how does it affect my personal taxes? Should I invest in a syndication personally or through an LLC, a retirement account, or a trust? Are the distributions I receive from the partnership taxable? Can I deduct losses against my W-2 income? And then finally, can I 1031 exchange into a partnership? You know, I've got a personal rental property. I would like to sell, use the proceeds, and maybe fund a passive investment. How can I do that? Is it possible? All right. Well, let's start back at the top. What is depreciation and how does it affect my personal taxes? When an LP is coming to you with that type of question, what do you tell them? 
Depreciation is a beautiful phantom expense, as we call it. So it is not an operating expense. Um, it is not cash coming out of the business, but it is kind of a freebie expense. And so the IRS recognizes that when you place a property into service, it does deteriorate a little bit. And so you can take depreciation on that property or any other assets that are added to the property or inside of the property. And so ultimately, it's going to reduce the amount of income, rental income that's flowing to you on your K-1. And so it will reduce the amount of income that you're reporting each year on your individual tax return. Yeah. And something that I like to help people understand is that when you're investing in a syndication or a fund that is passing depreciation back to you, you're getting a small slice of the larger deal, right? So if I bought my own single family home, I get 100% of the depreciation. When I invest into a syndication and I have 1% of the total entity, then all the same tax benefits that I get by buying a personal home still are deployed at the rental level, at least in the partnership. I'm just getting 1% of it rather than 100% of it. Because I think sometimes people go, well, I'm going to lose the depreciation benefits or, or like it's not as tax advantageous to invest as a limited partner, which is not true. You, your cash flow is still sheltered by depreciation. You're still getting a share of that depreciation. It's just a really small share. So that's kind of the way to, to look at it. I will caveat that with one of the questions we frequently get is, how do I know how much depreciation I received? And that's not an easy question to answer. A lot of investors will just associate depreciation with their overall loss for the year. But the thing to recognize is when a loss is passed through to you or income is passed through to you, it's all wrapped up in one number on your K-1. And so it's difficult to know as a passive investor, and most times you won't, how much depreciation or a specific amount of depreciation that was passed to you throughout the year. Which I guess could make it kind of hard for future planning purposes, right? Like if you know the syndication is going to liquidate for X and you can calculate your gain off of that, it'd be nice to know how much depreciation is factored in there so that you know what that depreciation recapture looks like too. Right. You may not know. Interesting. All right. So let's move down to number two then. So should I invest in a syndication personally via an LLC retirement account trust? What type of structure should I invest through when placing capital into a syndication? Yeah, I like to say here, there's no black and white answer to this. And so it's really just a matter of personal preference. I recommend that individuals work with their attorneys to determine, you know, should I invest just as me personally as Kaylin? Or should I set up, you know, Kaylin Invest LLC and invest through my LLC? I could also do so through my retirement account. It just depends on your diversification strategy. You know, maybe you want to add private real estate partnerships to your, your retirement accounts as a diversification strategy, or maybe you want to establish an LLC for limited liability purposes, legal protection. You may look at a trust for, and can never say that word. It's like the anonymity word. Anonymity. Anonymity. Yeah. I would struggle with that too. <laughs> Right. And, and that's what a revocable trust is going to afford you is anonymity. So it's really a personal preference. And we recommend reaching out to an attorney when you're looking into this at the tax level, unless it's going through a retirement account or an irrevocable trust, you know, there's no change in the tax benefits. If you set up an LLC, it's all going to be passed through directly to you. Yeah. It's a good idea to work with an attorney on this type of stuff because Whenever you're making an investment, you're going to have asset protection questions and tax questions at the same time. So we find ourselves collaborating with attorneys quite often on this type of stuff. So don't be afraid to loop in the professionals that are supporting you. All right, let's move on to the next question. So 
when I get distributions from the partnership, are those distributions taxable? Oftentimes not. And the reason why this is a top five thing limited partners should know is because distributions versus allocations create a lot of confusion for passive investors or newer investors. And the reason for that is a partnership is set up, it's a pass-through entity, which means all of the income or loss throughout the year has to flow through to those partners, those owners. And so you may have income or loss on your K-1 and you didn't receive a distribution of cash throughout the year. Vice versa, you may receive a distribution, but you may have a loss on your K-1, right? And so what's important to recognize is distributions are typically 95% of the time not taxable. If you receive a distribution in excessive basis, there is tax there, but that does not occur very frequently. The question that we're focusing on here is I received a distribution, what am I taxed on? And that you're going to be looking to the right side of your K-1. The left side of your K-1 contains informational topics, your name, address, EIN, and then of course, any contributions or distributions that you made throughout the year. We call the left side of the K-1 non-taxable information. And the right side of the K-1 is where all that taxable information is. Yeah. And to further the point that a lot of times distributions are not taxable, when you're investing in these types of deals, what they get is non-recourse financing, but it's called qualified non-recourse financing, and it gives you basis in the property. So even if the distributions exceeded the capital that you put into the deal, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, you still have basis through the debt that is on the property. So you still have basis to take distributions. Uh, same goes for losses as well. Now, at some point, you know that all trues up. But at least at the current moment, you shouldn't have any sort of tax implication for that. All right, let's move on to the next one. So can I deduct losses against my active W-2 income? So if my K-1 shows a big tax loss, can I claim that tax loss to offset my regular income, W-2, business income, anything else? This is another big one, hence why it's under the top five. And the answer to it is likely no. And the reason for that is for real estate losses to offset your active, your W-2 income, you either have to reach real estate professional status or you have to be under a certain income threshold. And oftentimes with passive investors, you know, they are likely in a higher net worth, they're in a higher tax bracket, they don't fall under those income limitations. And also they're passively investing, which means they're not materially participating they don't reach the level of real estate professional status. And so they're not able to use those losses against their W-2 income, but they do bank those losses. Um, so those losses, if they're not able to be used in the current year, they'll be carried forward into future years when that asset, that investment starts generating passive income and those losses will then be used to net against that income. Yeah, so what you're talking about here are the passive activity loss rules, section 469 of the Internal Revenue Code. If this is the first time you're kind of hearing this, if you're a new listener and Kaylin just threw out a lot of terms that did not make sense to you, that is totally okay. We have a lot of episodes on the passive activity loss rules. I would recommend that you go to therealestatecpa.com and click on the resources tab, search the podcast for REPS reps that will walk through the passive activity loss rules and how real estate professional status applies. But just because I have a tax loss coming from a rental property does not mean that I can claim that tax loss because the passive activity loss rules limit my ability to claim losses from rental activities. So if you're investing in rental real estate, whether through a syndication or personally, it's really important to get a good 
fundamental understanding of the passive activity loss rules. You don't need to be able to cite things or tax court cases, but understanding how the money flows, I think will help you going forward. So if you haven't listened to the episodes that I mentioned, go to our website, click on the podcast and search REPS. I think there's like seven episodes. Uh, It's a pretty deep dive, but we try to break it down and not throw too much at you at one time. So go check that out. All right, last question. Can I 1031 exchange into a partnership? So I've got my own property. I'm liquidating it. I've got a gain on it. Can I take the gain and roll it into this new syndication partnership? Yes and no. So generally speaking, if I'm a passive investor coming into a partnership, the answer is going to be no. And the reason for that is 1031 exchanges have to be real property for real property. And the partnership interest that you're gaining when you contribute cash to a partnership and receive a partnership interest or a stake in that partnership in return, that's not considered real property. And so you cannot simply sell a property and roll those funds into a partnership interest. The IRS would disallow that. What can be done, though, is you can 1031 exchange into a tick ownership, so a tenant in common ownership, which means that the partnership would own, let's just say, 75% of the property, and you would own the other 25%. You're not a member or a partner in that partnership, and your 25% of that property would be reported on your individual tax return. So it is possible, but there's a lot of blockers in here. And the reason for that is tick ownership. It's not simple. It's very complex, and it's costly as well. So if you're investing you know, $5 million, that general partner that's looking to raise capital may be willing to do a tick ownership with you. Um, but if you're looking to roll 25000 or 100000 into your next syndication, it likely won't make sense from a cost-benefit standpoint, simply because the cost to do a tip ownership structure is it's pretty high. You have ongoing financial reporting and then ongoing CPA tax filing costs that extend greater than if you were to simply file a partnership tax return. There's like additional compliance rules too, I think, right? There's a whole um, IRS memorandum on it. But when you move into that tick structure, you're operating under a new set of rules. You need to be really careful. So yeah, so the juice has to be worth the squeeze for the operator, for the sponsor of the deal. So, um, you know, if you're investing 100K or so, you're probably not going to gain much leverage over how they structure their deals. But this is all really important stuff. Caitlin, I know that you recently released a course for limited partners. Uh, it's kind of unique. I feel like there's not a lot out there for limited partners. We're normally focused on people that own real estate directly or are sponsors or operators of deals. But we decided to make something for limited partners. And that's at www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash limited partners. But tell us, so if I'm a limited partner and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll check this out. What can people learn if they were to take that course? Yeah, so this course was developed from our experience, my experience with working directly with those general partners day to day, seeing the ins and outs of how they're structuring their entities, the tax implications for limited partners, and just knowing how the real estate partnerships and the deals are are working. And so a limited partner, this course is designed for a limited partner who maybe has never made an investment into a real estate partnership. They're brand new or someone that has maybe done five to 10 deals, but they don't fully understand what they've gotten themselves into, or they don't understand how it's affecting them at tax time. So this course is Tax Smart Passive Investing. 
And it contains modules that will dive deep into all of the lingo that those general partners are using. So when they're putting out advertising materials, you know, their private placement memorandums, it'll dive into all of that so that you understand how to read those documents, fully understand them and apply them to your specific scenario. It also, it contains uh, calculators. So you can estimate, you know, your share, as we were talking about earlier, um, with allocations of depreciation, you could calculate an estimate of your share of depreciation for the year. Um, that's what it contains. That's the gist of it. And it's designed directly from all of those years of experience working with general partners to educate limited partners. Awesome. And again, that was at www.taxmartinvestors.com slash limited partners. Kayla, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll drop that in the show notes for whoever's interested. And we'll catch you next week on the next episode of Tax Smart Real Estate Investors. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients. And with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.